Welcome to the Pinelander Podcast, the official podcast of Pineland, broadcasting to you from an undisclosed location deep inside Pineland, where we discuss faith, family, finances, firearms, freedom, food, and everything else in between with those who believe in living free and living out the values that made this country free. Welcome to the Pinelander Podcast. Uh, my name is Paul LaFaver. I'm here with my Ranger buddy, Mike Blackburn, and this is the podcast for America's Warriors. Uh, and, uh, we're just getting trucking into 2024. Uh, I wonder what awaits us. I think it's going to be a hell of a ride. <laughs> I think it. I think it will be. There's uh, uh, so many prognostications about uh, what will befall this year. Uh, but, you know, the, the year is full of uh, hopes. I think uh, anytime you turn the corner of a year, you look back at, uh, you know, the previous year about the mistakes and uh, regrets. But, uh, you know, what's good is, you know, uh, the new year uh, can be a new you, uh, clean slate. I like it to look at, I like to look at things that way. I mean, it's very, it's a, I have a perspective that the Bible gives me. That's a perspective of foreordained victory. I think that's good. As you go into it, you're like, hey, we can't lose. As If you're a believer, you can't lose. So it's just good to, that's just kind of how I, where I've been this morning, sipping my coffee. Yeah. I'm just thinking, hey, whatever comes down the pike. I think that's important. I think that's really important to remember. Um, I mean, the game's already won. It's just yeah. how close is it going to be? Um, how long is it going to be? How difficult is it going to be? Um, you know, no one knows exactly how it's going to get played, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, we do we do know the outcome, um, which is you know, which is good. Yeah, and I I didn't say this in our last uh, podcast, uh, but I was thinking about this uh, the beginning of this year is what's going to be my legacy. You know, I'm I'm 51. What's going to be my legacy? I'm still a young man. I, I you know, we're not guaranteed 72 years. I hope I see that, but what's going to be my legacy? How many, uh, what will I be doing? What will I have been, uh, what will be done when it's all said and done for the glory of God? Uh, what will my family look like? Uh, what will, uh, how many books will I have written? How many podcasts will we have done? I mean, what kind of impact will I make on the world and on the kingdom of God? And that's, that's what I'm just looking at, taking stock of my life. That's a good time to do that the beginning of the year, look back at what you did, where you've been. And, and this is my one thought out of all that is just like uh, uh, John Newton, who was a slave trader. He would go to Africa, get slaves. And, uh, you know, he was an Englishman and God got a hold of him in a storm and saved him. And he turned from that to be a preacher. And he wrote the, the, the hymn, Amazing Grace, Anyway, he said, you know, I'm not who I want to be, but I'm not who I was. And that's the idea. Is I'm, not, I'm not yet who I want to be. I'm, I'm working on it as I'm being led by the Lord to do that. But I praise the Lord I'm not who I was. No, I, like, I like that. I mean, I think that's what we're supposed to be doing is um, transitioning through these various uh, phases that we go through. And I think uh, both of us are, are at that same, you know, part of the life where you are, you are kind of concerned and uh, you're, you're, you're concerned about what, what sort of legacy you're leaving behind. You know, what, what have you done? Have you done anything decent with your, with your time? Uh, has it been worthwhile? Has you made, have you made an impact? And, and I think both of us spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to do that. Cause we, you get to that certain, that spot where you can kind of see, well, man, this thing's going to end pretty soon. You know, not like when you're in your twenties and you think you're going to live forever. Oh yeah. Um, you start realizing the finality of it all, and um, and you've learned a lot of lessons along the way. <clears throat> a lot of things right, and some things wrong. Hopefully, learn from them. And uh, but now you know. I think you're at this phase, at least uh, where we're at, and I think it's common for most people at this age to start thinking about um, you know the bigger meaning, if you will, of life. So yeah, I think that's important to do that. Uh, continue to grow, continue to learn. Uh, you know, never think you're there. Never be content with where where you're at. 
and uh, continue to uh, um, figure out a way to, to make, make make life better. Mm. I think we're going to have plenty of opportunity going forward. We're certainly in a uh, interesting uh, times um, in the world, and I, th- I think everyone knows is that we're kind of in a, a major transitional period mm. uh, where a lot of things are uh, technology and, and things have just really just uh, smacked uh, civilization. And I think we're trying to sort it all out and kind of figure out you know what's the next uh, what's the next millennia look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of brings us to today's subject, I think. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, so as we, uh, Mike and I were uh, praying and thinking about a uh, next podcast, uh, our our hearts and minds went to the book of Judges. And so we, uh, you know, we want to start with this podcast uh, in a series of Judges and of the book of Judges and kind of, you know, that uh, kind of skip around a little bit. But uh, the main thing about the book of Judges, if you don't know, uh, is there's an expression uh, for uh, history to be meaningful must be interpreted. And so uh, that's essentially what we have in the book of Judges. We have, it's the seventh book of the Bible. It's, uh, it's really a theological interpretation of history of Israel's ancient past. But you don't want the bare mention of the term theological give the wrong impression about the book because it uh, has everything a young man these days would want. Uh, that we find we find captivating. It has uh, romance and murder and intrigue and war and battles with chariots and hand-to-hand combat and the supernatural. It's got it all. And it's got it all. Uh, but the there's a there's a a meta narrative to the book of uh, Judges um, that I think speaks to us to where we're at right now. And and you see that. Uh, as you get into Judges a good ways, then it tells you, Judges 17, 6, it says, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And that, I think, is where we're at today. And I think you could, I, I thought about this and prayed a lot about this. Judges was a time when, uh, it was a story of a godly nation that lost its way. And it was losing its way. And, and only by grace did it have its downward spiral checked by God's intervention. That's the only thing that kept it from completely imploding morally uh, because it was on a, a full sprint to, to immorality, uh, to injustice, uh, just ungodliness. And so it, was, it went from basically it's a story of conquest in Joshua to compromise and series of compromises. So I think what I'm trying to say here is that's kind of where we're, I think we're at as a nation. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, yet, and on, on top of that, um, you know, they, they had went from Moses, they had went to Joshua. Um, and, of course, now, like you said, um, there was a uh, leadership void. Mm. But the other part that I think is really interesting about Judges, um, where the relevance today is, of course, the conflict going on in Gaza. Mm. Uh, because to me that that also kind of harkens back to um, back when they were instructed Israel was instructed uh, to go in you know and clear that land um, and it was a reason I mean you know it wasn't it wasn't um, something that wasn't thought out and something that wasn't need, that didn't need to be done and they they kind of got complacent about what they were supposed to do. They got they got very lazy. They didn't want to put the work in. Um, let's face it. I mean, war is difficult. Um, you know, it's it requires sacrifice. And you know, they sort of. I mean, I look at I look at that the, the history, and I think, well, you know, it's kind of like halfway done. You know, uh, you know, they didn't quite they didn't quite finish what they were supposed to do. They got kind of complacent. And then and we kind of see that now, and I think we see that with that history uh, in that area of this conflict, I think, that dates all the way back uh, maybe to that first um, task that they were given to clear that land, that that land was intended for them. And I think they're still suffering um, because of that even even today. I agree. I agree. And uh, the, the main... Uh, emphasis that you see in Judges is, uh, and we could we need to get into that, uh, but look, reading the text is compromise. Uh, and so if you, if you read, we don't have time to read it, but uh, 
all of it, but Judges 1 and 2, what you see is an imp- incomplete conquest. Right. And then you see Israel's disobedience and compromise. And, uh, and so in Judges 2, you actually have uh, the angel of the Lord show up uh, at a meeting in, is- in Israel, and he basically says, you're mingling. Yeah. You're mingling with the people. Uh, you're compromising uh, the law of God. Everything I told you not to do before, uh, through Moses, you're doing it. And that's what caused the problems. I mean, uh, if you start if you start hanging out with the wrong type of people, you have a tendency to pick up a lot of their yeah bad company corrupts good right? morals yeah. Um, and of course, you know they weren't supposed to be doing that. And I think that's what really if you if you look at those those hundreds of years where you know we're going to start discussing where the judges were were coming in. I mean, that's really what you had. You kind of had this um, this lackadaisical. Uh, falling away from what they're supposed to be doing, falling away from from God's laws, um, ad- adopting the, um, the the rules, regulations, the customs um, of the people that uh, you know they, they weren't supposed they were supposed to displace, um, and that led to all the problems. Um, and of course, you know, a judge had to be uh, brought in to try to get them back to right again, and it's sort of this. This cycle of uh, living righteously and then falling and then living righteously and falling. And it's just for hundreds of years, it's this sort of cycle that went on in Israel. Absolutely. So it just brings up a, a point uh, that I want to get in there is uh, so this is roughly the time about uh, 1500 to 1100 BC. And I said BC because, uh, you know, there's some BCE yeah. and in the common era, the before the common era. Let me just sneak a little point in there. You know, um, the, the, the birth of the Messiah changed time. It changed everything. Uh, and so the people that use BCE, before the Common Era and Common Era, uh, if you ask them, hey, what uh, differentiates between BCE and CE? And they would have to say, well, the birth of uh, Christ. And so you say, well, then you're pointless. Why would you have to change it from before Christ and Anno Domini in the year of our Lord? So it's ridiculous. Anyway, I just wanted to make a little sidebar comment. Uh, but this was a 400 period, 400 year period between uh, the conquest, not fully completed conquest yeah. of Canaan, and King Saul. Right. And uh, uh, there's something that uh, also uh, I wanted to jump in there with is uh, in Judges 2:10. This is kind of a point is uh, you know what's going on. It's, it says when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers. That is the one that uh, was brought into the promised land. Uh, when they had died, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. Yeah. And so you have a, uh, this generational break uh, between those who uh, are you know, following the Lord and they've seen his wonders. And, and now uh, you could make a lot of... Uh, uh, commentary out of that, you know, what one generation tolerates and next, next will embrace. Uh, the fathers failed to pass on the the truths of God and the ways of God to the next generation. Yeah, it's, it's, and we see that we see that in America today, where um, we have a, a uh, several generations um, that have certain um, moral ideas and traditions. Uh, our kids are, uh, you know. Bust off to public education. Uh, they're not. They're not taught BC. They're taught BCE, and everything is disguised. And everything is. And this is again. I mean, I, th- I think this is one of the, the reasons why they were supposed to clear the land, um, because the children are were being influenced by um, the the other inhabitants of the land, taking on those customs. And of course, they didn't know God. What they knew was. Uh, these, these these bad habits and bad beliefs, these foreign gods and customs that they were picking up from their neighbors. Yeah, the uh, I mean that's it's easy. It's a it's easy to go that way. Uh, it's a slippery slope. I mean, if you look at it, we're st- we're still still trying to figure out uh, what happened. But then again, uh, the milestones of how we got here are very clear. If you you know anyone with a brain can look back and see incrementally how we've been removing Christ from our culture. And, and that's what they did, is they removed the Lord from their culture. Right. And they became like the nations around them. In fact, they were often doing things worse than the nations 
who had been practicing this polluted immorality before them, which is amazing. I mean, that's the reason why, there's really two reasons why God brought him into the promised land. One, because he was giving his people a place that he had promised to Abraham. And two, he was, he was punishing the Canaanites for their sin, and he had given them time to repent. I mean, there's, there's 400 years you see that in Genesis 15, if you look at that. And so he's, he's judging the Canaanites, and he's also uh, saving his people. So that's, that's what you see, a, pa- uh, a pattern of salvation through judgment. But my whole point here is they just became like the other nations. And, and that's uh, anytime we, the people of God do that, individually, corporately, you know, we're, we're headed down, uh, down a downward spiral. Yeah. And, and, and that's really, so let me sneak this in here too. Yeah. Uh, there, uh, what the church has believed and taught for a long time is there's really four, uh, a fourfold pattern, a cycle to what we see in the book of Judges. Uh, you see rebellion, you see retributive justice, that's where God brings in uh, his hand, his heavy hand. And then we see repentance, and then we see restoration. So you see rebellion, retribution, repentance, restoration. And, and uh, now that goes through a cycle, but what happens is each time uh, as you go through, there's 12 judges in the book of Judges, and there's two more, uh, Eli and Samuel, that are not included in the book of Judges, but are also judges. Every time you see that cycle go through, it goes in a downward spiral. So things get even a little worse every time that they go through the cycle. So every time they don't learn generationally, yeah. they spiral down and things get worse. So it's, it's, yeah, it's it scary. It wasn't a handoff from one judge to the next. It was um, the judge was um, um, gone, departed. Uh, Israel was back on track. They were doing the things they were supposed to be doing. Uh, given time, they slip back into their old habits. Um, and so, you know, again, God removes his protective uh, covering from, from them. Bad things happen, right, um, purposely, because that's what happens. I mean, when we start uh, turning from God, well, then, you know, it's a covenant. It's a, you know, we, we do this and he does that. It's, it's sort of the relationship, the way it works. Um, you know, if you will do these things, I will be your God. I will protect you. I'll hedge, you know, and everything else. Well, that protective hedge was was being removed. It's like, okay, well, if you're not interested in me, then, you know, here you go. Um, this is the consequence for your actions. And then they would bewail, and, then, you know, everything would get, get horrible, and, uh, and you know, God would have pity on them and, and raise a judge and, you know, put things back to right again. And, of course, there's just this never-ending cycle of, of uh you know, ups and downs, which we see anyway. I mean, that, that's the way life goes anyway, it seems, uh, ever since then. But uh, uh, certainly, um, I think a lot of us can relate to the, those times today in our country. Absolutely. The, I mean, a key point there is the promised land, uh, living in the promised land was conditioned on obedience. And so it's conditioned on obedience. And, and even uh, before they get there, in the book of Moses, uh, we're told in the in the five books of Moses, we're told that uh, if Israel sinned and rebelled against God, then they would be ousted. They were told that it would be ousted, and actually God would go after them with a sword. He would draw a sword of the covenant, and it would it would uh, it would perish out of the land. And so the the emphasis is: look, if you do things God's way, you get His results. You get to live in His presence. He will protect you. There's a hedge of protection. All those things. If you if you forget Him, and that's actually what happens as uh, we're actually told in the text, that Israel forgot God. They forgot right. him. They just, they, he was removed from uh, their personal thesaurus. They were, he was removed from the dictionary. He was removed from their times. Yeah. Uh, you know, okay, B.C., A.D., right? I'm just give an example here. Removed from schools. Removed from the Ten Commandments out of uh, courtrooms. Uh, not praying before uh, meetings of Congress. Uh, I mean, whatever. You just 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 go through the everything that the full gambit of how we can remove Christ, and and that's what was happening. And uh, so I wanted to maybe we could jump off this way in this study uh, because we thought of some different ways to do this, but uh, maybe we can go into the there was really the the first uh, four. I think that's what we were trying to take a stab at. We may make it. Yeah. Who knows? 
Uh, but really, the first four judges, uh, maybe I can start up by reading that. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, judges chapter 3, uh, verses 7 through 11. And this is the word of the Lord. So the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and Ashtaroths. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served Cushan Rishathaim eight years. When the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer, that is a judge, for the children of Israel, who delivered them. Othniel, the son of Canaz, Caleb's younger brother, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he judged Israel. He went out to war, and the Lord delivered Kishathrathatham, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand. And his hand prevailed over Kishathrathatham, so the land had rest for 40 years. Then Othniel, the son of Canaz, died. Now, he was, uh, he, now uh, maybe you can enlighten us on this. Uh, I, the one thing I know about him is he was kind of a heavy hitter. Um, under under uh, under Joshua, um, Caleb. Yeah. Well, or of I should say of the um, uh, heavy uh, personalities uh, post Joshua. I mean, he, uh, Othniel was right. kind of a famous guy. He was uh, um, from what little I know. But he, 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 yeah, we only have, uh, you know, six it? verses about him. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I, well, I think there's some commentary that I read on, yeah. on this guy. Um, but he was, he was, uh, 40 years he, he, uh, judged uh, Israel. He was around for a while. Uh, but he was young enough, I should say, maybe it was early enough and young enough, uh, to have heard the stories of the conquest and kind of had that pass through, uh, him. He wasn't, it wasn't so far removed from, uh, the occupation in Joshua's time and, and the stories of Joshua that he didn't, he didn't um, um, fully appreciate and understand and have a comprehension of those uh, of what Israel was supposed to be doing um, in the land. Yeah, uh, we're told uh, verse nine that he was the son of Canaz, uh, Caleb's younger brother. So he was a nephew of Caleb. So this here's a connection with uh, the conquest. So this is like right on the end of the cusp of the conquest. You know, Israel was in the land, and so this is the very beginning. But things are already taking a turn for the worse. They, it says they forgot the Lord. Yeah. I mean, that, just think about that, that term. Uh, you're turning your back on God, his word, his way. You just, he's not even in your, your mind. You go through the day. You go through the year. You don't even think about him. You don't even think about uh, whether you're living right in his sight or anything. Just terrible. And, and so there's that there's that rebellion, mm-hmm. uh, and and of course, uh, God brings uh, retribution. You know, he, he he raises up, and this is you also see as he sold them. You'll see this again and again. He sold them right there into the hand of an enemy. He gave them up. He gave them over to a depraved mind, as Romans one says. He just he removes the hedge of protection. He allows the enemy to come in. And run amok, and uh, there's a there's a commentary. What's interesting about Judges in uh, chapter two is even before you get into the Judges, uh, it says this in uh, two fifteen. Uh, Wherever they went, the hand of the Lord was against them for calamity, as the Lord had said, and and as the Lord had sworn to them, you know, if they forsook the Lord, then He would draw out a sword against them. He would use their own enemies to discipline them to get them back into line. And that's really what's happening. And so people are dying. There's famine. You've got, uh, you know, there's not enough food in the stores, okay? Uh, this The gas is five bucks. I don't know. You got to try to make a quick parallel. But the there's a rebellion, and then uh, God just makes things bad. Um, and, and things would have stayed bad, but that, that's when, uh, of course, the Lord brings... Uh, there's there's repentance, and what's interesting is you don't really see a lot of you don't really read of uh, a lot of it, but they just say that Israel cried out. You know, I think that's enough. They cried out, and uh, they saw that they were wrong, and God raised up a deliverer. Uh, 
you know, the interesting thing about that is, uh, you know, he's, it uses the word judge. Uh, and I, I thought about that. You know, why does he use that judge, the word? Well, he's a deliverer. Uh, and the interesting thing I see is uh, part of God's judgment is the deliverance of his people. God, God renders a judgment. He says, I'm, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deliver you, and the judgment is I'm going to waylay somebody else. And I think it's a very interesting parallel that you can draw when you take it in the trajectory in the New Testament. Uh, you, see that we're, uh, you see that we're saved. It's salvation, by, it's salvation through judgment. Uh, so this is, this is real. I mean, you have thousands of people that are living and dying, and uh, you've got Israel suffering because it's leadership. I mean, you said that. The leaders, and you're talking, look, think about the elders and the leaders uh, of all these tribes. They just let their guard down. They, uh, they serve, serve the Baals and the Asherahs. I mean, what are that? Those are the gods of the nations that the Lord drove out before them. This is bad. What do you got over there? I know you're... Well, no, I was just looking at uh, some some notes, and uh, one of the things I, you know, it, it discusses is the fact that, uh, yeah, they forgot God. They forgot, uh, uh, you know, the, the ways that they were supposed to be living, but they were also doing, you know, there wasn't there wasn't a lack of gods. I mean, they uh, they had, they were worshiping foreign gods. Yeah. Um, it wasn't just a matter that they, uh, you know, they all became uh, agnostic or something. I mean, it just... Um, they they had intermarried uh, with the inhabitants of the land. Um, there a lot of different tribes. I, was, I was reading somewhere where it said maybe there was twenty three as many as twenty three other tribes uh, occupying that land when uh, when they crossed over the Jordan uh, that had to be disposed of. But uh, twenty three. I think that's I think that's the number that I sell. And, that's you know, an interesting we, number. We had uh, you know some of them were descendants of Lot, some of them were descendants of Esau. But, uh, yeah, they had been judged, like you said. But the other problem is when Israel came in, like, you know, again, they were intermarrying and adopting their customs, but they were also adopting their religion. Yeah. Their pagan religions. I think, you know, there's a reason why, you know, the first few uh, commandments have, have to do with, uh, you know, foreign worship and, you know, idol worship and things like that. It's because this is a, if you, you know, I think if you really want to irritate God, I mean, that's probably the one thing you really probably, you know. That's you, how you start. That's how you start. Yeah. I mean, that's the big one. Um, and it's it's little things too. It's very little. There can be very little things. We you, do you take on the uh, the depraved, unrighteous uh, cultures uh, customs. You can take those on, and that can pollute your family. That can pollute all of God's people. Just as incrementally, little things. Yeah. So it's uh, again we see this is kind of a theme that you see throughout is where. There is there is sort of a requirement, if you will, to sort of separate yourself from the unclean. Yeah, um, we have to we have to caution that caution ourselves today um, on how we do that because it's you know we want to be kind, we want to be uh, you know generous, we want to be charitable, uh, we want to take care of people, but we also have to guard ourselves uh, and make sure that we hold tight to those ways that we know are right. Because um, a lot of times. That's always what's asked of us, and it, uh, you know, we just need to bend. Um, you know, we need we need to give. Uh, you know, why are you so rigid about you know what you do and your beliefs? Um, you know, it's not going to hurt you to come over here and you know worship. I'll come worship with you. You come worship with me. You know, uh, we really have to guard that. We have to remember who we are and what we're supposed to be doing. And and, uh, and right is right, and wrong is wrong. And I think that's. Uh, you know, when I look through a lot of these stories, especially here in Judges, it's you know reminded me of that as well. Uh, that's really where we kind of go wrong. We we kind of lose focus on what it is that who we are, our identity, and we start adopting uh, other other ideas. That's it, man. I mean, a few thoughts on that is uh, you know the Lord Jesus said in John seventeen to that His people, us, are to be in the world but not of it. Uh, so we. You know, as the Apostle Paul says, if you know, if you can't, you can't live completely separate from the world because God would have to completely remove you from the world. But you're in the world, but you're not of the world. So you're to be a separate people, but also you're evangelizing, you're interacting with the world to, to win the lost, but while not being polluted by the lost. And then the other thing is, like you said, the identity. We can easily lose our identity through just melding 
you know, uh, unwise melding with, with other, with the peoples of the world. And then we, we don't know. And, and that's what you see, that initial stage. Uh, and and uh, the interesting thing here is uh, he gave, uh, you know, this is Othniel of, of Judah. He was the first judge. I think it's interesting. It's the first judge. Is, is, uh, he's from the tribe of Judah. It's very interesting. The Lord comes from the tribe of Judah. I'm not, I don't want to make a whole big deal out of that, but uh, the, the big thing is he gave uh, 40 years of rest after uh, that he defeated the, uh, the, the armies of the enemies of God, of God's people. And, and you think, uh, what's, what's interesting about that is you just think that through the patterns of uh, <clears throat> the ebb and tide of uh, spiritual uh, expression in the United States, how you'll see a, a revival. Uh, just pick the, uh, the Great Awakening, mm-hmm. uh, 1750s. Uh, you have George Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards. Uh, you've got uh, these huge amounts of crowds coming to hear the gospel. And then those crowds are filling churches and their, their congregations are kind of busting at the steams. And then you have a period of probably, uh, however long that was, bef- of, of goodness. And, and, uh, but as soon as those, others, uh, those leaders die off, then there's a tendency to kind of, you know, the cat's away, the mice will play, and, you know, we just go back to, uh, you know, and really it's the nature of sin. Yeah. And, 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 and that's really what it is, but it's also the necessity of godly leaders. And you see that. I mean, there's one thing you see that's highlighted in the book of Judges is the necessity for godly leaders to have to be there. It makes a difference, the impact of godly leadership. People fearing God and hating evil, and loving God's people, and doing something. And uh, I think you made this point, I think, in a discussion we had earlier, is all these judges, uh, God chose them. Right. They didn't just pick themselves. Now, there might have been some guys there, wouldn't even know their names, and they tried to do something and died, and God wasn't with them. But this guy, often, you know, God rose him up. He tapped him, spoke to him, empowered him. And so he was God's instrument to do what uh, God had planned, and it's to deliver his people cause the, because they repented. Right. I mean, it's really, really huge. I guess we camped that a lot on that one. but Well, no, I think, I, th- I, th- I think sometimes we um, sit around and say, woe me, um, when, when times are, are hard, when, when times are uh, difficult. Uh, but it is... It, I don't know. It just seems to be the process. It seems to be, uh, you know, we, we hear this term all the time where, you know, good times, you know, create weak men. Uh, and I think we've had a, uh, I certainly grew up in good times. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't change my childhood for anything. I mean, uh, yeah. awesome time to be alive in America. Um, great music. <laughs> I'm not sure about some of those hairstyles we had. but uh, Yeah. <clears throat> but again, you know, it, it almost seems like, we need to um, be reminded every now and then, and and we need to suffer the consequence for our our complacency and our laziness, and uh, and we just think that good times are always going to be here, and they're, and they're just not. And so sometimes, you know, we have to kind of go through the fire. We have to kind of experience some tough times to kind of uh, uh, grow and get stronger, and uh, and so I, you know. People say, "Well, yeah, it's really rough right now. You know, things are, are tough. You know, I don't, we don't like kind of where the society's going, civilization's going. Uh, this is a normal process. I, sometimes you have to be reminded that this is just kind of the way it goes, and it, it kind of uh, these are the times when you know someone's going to get called, and, and and you know if you are called to step up and do something, uh, make a difference. This is the time to do it. Yeah, I think it's also uh, important is." Some of these other judges, I totally agree with you. Some of the other judges, uh, it says, you know, single-handedly they did stuff. You know, like mm-hmm. Samson, single-handedly he, he killed like a thousand men right. with a jawbone of a donkey. I mean, that's impressive. We'll get there. Uh, and then, of course, uh, we'll see Shamgar. He killed 600 men with an ox goad. Impressive. But I think with uh, Othniel, uh, what I think we can read into is he had an army. Yeah. And Ooh. so he had, he had men... Uh, well, and, and more I think of a traditional leader. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's worth repeating is this quote, uh, hard times create strong men, strong men create good times, good times create weak men, and 
weak men create hard times. There we are. I think I think what what you point out uh, you brought up is a good point is is to recognize the cycle, recognize where we're at in the cycle, and then actually do something. You know, maybe God hasn't tapped you as the man, but get behind the man with the vision. Get behind that guy. Be a part of his army. Do, and I, you know, we don't have to get too uh, strange here, but I, what could that look like? Is uh, you know, just a circle of godly men that you know, well, you know, guys so. that you interact with. You can do something. Yeah, I mean, you might you not make you not you might not make the uh, you know four or five verses of scripture. Okay, but sure. My my my. I guess your your point is. Um, you know, there's a million correct things that we ought to be doing. There's a, there's a million things that are happening every day. You know, it's not the one person that's necessarily uh, going to make the history books. But, uh, you know, what are you doing for your neighbor? You know, what are you doing for the uh, you know, kids down the street? Um, I mean, everything is local, right? They say everything is local. So, yeah, I think it's important for us to affect our, our world, um, our small little local world. It isn't uh, isn't going to make the highlights, but it's, it, it, you are right. It, it's yeah. everybody um, doing something is really where you get these these big events where, where we actually are able to change um, trajectories. Yeah. So I guess uh, if if we can, we can go into the next judge here. Let's do it. Uh, so the next judge we have is Ehud, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But he's from uh, the tribe of Benjamin, uh, and this. Uh, as we learn from the text, this was uh, uh, 18 years of servitude, mm-hmm. right? So uh, we're told in uh, verse 12 of chapter 3, And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord strengthened Eglon, king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Uh, then he gathered to himself the people of Ammon and Amalek, went and defeated Israel, and took possession of the city of Palms. So the children of Israel served Eglon, king of Moab, 18 years. Uh, but when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them, Ehud, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, a left-handed man. By him, the children of Israel sent tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Ehud made himself a dagger. It was double-edged and a cubit in length, which is probably about uh, 18 inches to three feet long. Yeah, so pretty pretty freaking long, yeah. right, if I could say that, uh, and fastened it under his clothes on his right thigh. So it's a cross, uh, cross grab there. Uh, uh, and let's see, where was I here? And verse 18, and when he had finished presenting the tribute, excuse me, verse 17, so he brought the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now, Eglon was a, a very fat man. And when he had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who had carried the tribute, but he himself turned back from the stone uh, images that were at Gilgal and said, I have a secret message for you, O king. He said, keep silence. And all who attended him went out from him. So Ehud came to him. Now he was sitting upstairs in his cool private chamber. Then Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. So he arose from his seat. Then Ehud reached with his left, with his uh, left hand, took the dagger from his right thigh and thrust it into his belly. Even the hilt went in after the blade, and the fat closed over the blade, for he did not draw the dagger out of his belly, and his entrails came out. Then Ehud went out through the porch and shut the doors of the upper room behind him and locked them. When he had gone out, Eglon's servants came to look, and to their surprise, the doors of the upper room were locked. So they said, he is probably attending to his needs in a cool chamber. So they waited till they were embarrassed, and still he had not opened the doors of the upper room. Therefore, they took the key and opened it, and there was their master fallen dead on the floor. But Ehud had escaped while they delayed and passed beyond the stone images and escaped to Sarai. And it happened when he arrived that he blew the trumpet in the mountains of Ephraim, and the children of Israel went down with him from the mountains, and he led them. Then he said to them, Follow me, for the Lord has delivered your enemies, your enemies the Moabites, into your hand. So they went down after him, seized the fords of the Jordan leading to the Moab, 
and did not allow anyone to cross over. And at that time, they killed about 10,000 men of Moab, all stout men of valor. Not a man escaped. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the land had rest 80 years. Yeah. Wow. Long Talk time. about intrigue. <laughs> yeah, right. long time. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, lot of numbers in there. Uh, and, I mean, there's so many places you could go with that, but I think the, 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 what I wanted to show again is this that cycle. Right. You got the rebellion. You've got retri- uh, rebellion. You've got repentance. You've got retribution. And you've got restoration. Again, uh, a couple of good things in there is notice that uh, a big difference here is this judge goes into the enemy's land. It's a little bit different. Yeah. And one of the few, I think, that does that, I think maybe... Well, he, maybe, had, he, had, yeah. he had access to the court, too. So he was obviously... Yeah. Um, someone had, had the ear of, of, the, of the ruler there. He was able to, you know... I mean, Ehud was uh, you know, someone that the, the king wanted to listen to. Yeah. I mean, this, is, uh, this enemy... Here's the other thing is, uh, you see is God raises up uh, the enemies of Israel so that they can be a spur in their side. Right, and so Moab is an ancient enemy of Israel. Uh, the Moabites, you know, they served uh, Molech. They burned their uh, children in the fire. They ser- they they uh, sacrificed their children to demons. So you have a yeah. uh, a parallel there with abortion, right. where they have uh, just you know lascivious uh, uh, immorality, and whatever is used from their lust is just uh, thrown away. Just to be blunt. Right. And so you have that where they could care less about that. And now... Not much has changed. Not much has changed, <laughs> yeah. Um, and you could say, well, what does that mean, Paul? That's that's kind of an interesting parallel. It does, that doesn't make sense. Well, uh, the aborted fetuses are uh, thrown into an incinerator. And so, likewise, those children that were uh, sacrificed to the demon Molech were also incinerated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their cries were not heard. Uh, because of the beating of the drums, and neither are the cries, uh, you know, the unborn cannot be heard. Right. And so there's a lot of parallels there, and people sacrifice those infants for their supposed great career. Yeah. And that's what those people did in those days. They sacrificed those infants because they wanted those so-called gods to bless them and right. give them a great career. So I think the parallel is very clear. Uh, you could argue with me about that, but then again, you're not on the podcast, so... I guess you'd have to call in. <laughs> you, it's okay for you to be wrong if you. But and let me just say this too: is uh, I don't want to make light of of that topic without passing over. Is God heals people who have had abortions? Uh, he's healed. He's healed women who have done that, and the men that have done that too. He forgives you, and He can heal you. So if you've done that, which is wrong, and you've sinned by taking that life that God gave you as a blessing. God is God can forgive you and you can move on from that. So I don't want to just be harsh and and uh, drop a gavel and not say that God is also gracious. Um, I think well, it's important. I, yeah, and I think it's what that highlights is just the difference between the Moabs, the Moabites, yeah. and the Israelites. I mean, this is this was this is again you know this is why uh, the Israelites were not supposed to co-mingle yes. with, with Moabites. Yeah, they would just slaughter their their children and and yeah. uh, and, and that was what, worship you know, demons. Well, they were even. I mean, inter, even the intermarriage. I mean, it wasn't like they were just your neighbors. I mean, you know, they yeah. were intermarried as well. And uh, yeah, so that's that's a big no no. Yeah, I mean, so maybe let's get into this uh, story a little bit. Uh, this is juicy stuff. It is. Uh, so uh, Ehud is probably someone who's known at the court right. of uh, the king of Moab. Uh, he shows up, uh, and what's interesting is uh, he's a left-handed man. You know, uh, sometimes we make uh, jokes with left-handed people, uh, but I think it's interesting how uh, oftentimes you know you have these warriors who are left-handed. There's a, there's a, some. Uh, we'll see some more uh, sling, you know, slingers or sling throwers uh, that uh, are deadly and they're left-handed. I mean, so I think the Lord has just kind of changed my mind on that whole left-handed thing. Yeah, I used to say it's wrong-handed. Yeah, but uh, yeah, not so. Uh, and so he uh, he's a, a judge that's going directly to the root of the problem. He's going right to the enemy's court. I love how this uh, 
this aspect is uh, God's judgment finds even the enemy ruler. His enemy ruler is not even safe. You don't even have to go into the promised land. God's judgment comes to you. Yeah. And and so it's in the form of this this uh, Israelite. Uh, and he's a, a Benjamite too. Yeah. Uh, uh, Younger and, brother of uh, Joseph. Yeah. Uh, so you see, uh, this is not long after the, the uh, conquest. And, and so look in verse 19. Uh, he says, uh, I have a secret message for you, O king. And so, you know, the king is thinking, hey, I've got, uh, this is a prophet, and I have uh, some kind of interesting message, and this is a blessing. So yeah. he says, keep silence. And he actually says, hey, I need everyone to, yeah. Yeah, he, to get out of there. He gets everybody out of there. Get, and he that's wants- one way to do it. And it is a message. Yeah, <laughs> he got the message. It's a secret message, uh, and he yeah. takes this uh, cubit long dagger, which is probably maybe up to three feet long. Yeah, I believe that's what elbow to <sighs> the middle finger. Yeah, and that thing is uh, it goes to the hilt and actually sinks the hilt. It. Yeah, this is this was a hilt. this was a very big guy. Yeah, so the I mean, guy I can uh, kind of picture him. He's probably one of those uh, you know folks that you would see on uh, you know my six hundred pound life. Yeah. Yes. So this guy it must have been hard for him to get up from his seat. Yeah, huge. So, it's, so it's, a, it's an important thing. And uh, what's interesting is how uh, God dealt this death. You know, he mm-hmm. brings his instrument of judgment all the way into this guy's secret chamber. Not even there is he safe. I mean, this is a reminder for those who think they can get away with doing harm to God's people. You know, God's judgment will find you even there. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the deception that's used, the, the intrigue, uh, uh, you could whatever, whatever you want to call it. I just see it as the, 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 the godly wisdom of this man. He knows it's very cunning. Uh, he does that, and then the, uh, the time it takes for people to figure out what's going on, the guy's not taking a dump. You know, uh, he's taking a dirt nap. This guy is out. He slips out, you know, like James Bond. He comes in, does a deed. He's out of there. Uh, uh, and then notice uh, not, that leads to a great victory. They, so they have this secret attack, and then he's got an army of uh, 10,000. And, uh, and so this is just, it signals a great victory. Yeah. I think it's, uh, it shows so much, but the other thing it shows is uh, there's 80 years of rest. And so that, that godly leadership brings uh, twice as much rest. Uh, and 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 you think that that would have done it? That's the, one of the points I, I see in Judges. Is you often read the Bible, and you 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 wince, and you say, "No, why did they do that?" You see this great deliverance, and right after that, you see something uh, that just shocks you when you read the biblical text. And well, yeah, I think you go right back into that cycle you just spoke of. That uh, you know, everyone's got you know religious fervor, if you will, um, right after this event. A great victory at the hands yeah. of, of God. Um, everyone's doing the right thing. And it just doesn't take long by the time you get, you know, a few uh, generations. I mean, you're right back into the same mess that uh, you were in before. Yeah, let me uh, just draw a, a quick parallel. Is You know, after September 11th, okay, uh, look at, uh, you know, Twin Towers smoldering, the Pentagon smoldering. We've got almost 4,000 Americans incinerated in planes, right? Uh, and then, you know, people in the United States, I remember the, the, the patriotism, the patriot fervor was at a, a high ebb. Sure. Uh, people, the flags came out. Yeah. Uh, now, a little bit different, but but still not not so much as the feeling of the, the corporate sentiment of, hey, you messed with us. And, and you had this sense of, uh, I remember in church that, it seemed like there were more people in church, you know, because there was all, also a sense of what's going on, and 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 wow, this is the times are are really calamitous, and 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 people got a sense of holy things again, and of eternity, and all those types of things, and and I saw that wave, but it was short. It was a short wave. You, yeah, you thought it was. It had just, a big swell. This has just been twenty years ago. Yeah, I look can how you much, believe it? Look how much has changed just in 20 years. Now, we're talking about, you know, in this case, 80. Yeah, I mean, 20 years, it's it's unbelievable. You you know, uh, if 
like I've often said, if, uh, you know, back then you could have said, hey, it's September 12th, 2001, and I'm a, I just came back in a time machine uh, from 2023, and let me tell you what's going on. And you wouldn't have believed that person. You'd put them in a, a loony bin. Yeah, you wouldn't have no make any sense. Yeah. All the type of stuff, and then where we're at, and we and then we wonder, you know, why are things so bad? Well, uh, is can't we just say that God has given us over to depravity? That's Romans one. Mm-hmm. You know, people that are in charge that don't not only uh, teach these things that they know bring death, but they just they do to themselves, and they they just uh, and they're leading us, you know, like a Pied Piper, uh, you know, collectively. Uh, there's so much you can get out of that. Uh, and what you don't see is uh, the last one, maybe we probably just have time for one more, uh, Shamgar. It's only one verse. He's a fun one. Uh, yeah, this is the third judge. His name is Shamgar. We're not told a lot about him, but uh, what he did was amazing. It says, after him, that is after Ehud, Sham, was Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 men of the Philistines with an ox goad. And he also delivered Israel. Uh, so we're not really told a lot about him, but uh, man, yeah, he look was, at but exploit. He was, he was certainly good with a staff. Yeah, I mean, uh, now here's the other thing: is uh, uh, not only yeah was he handy, uh, but if this actually reminds us of something that is told in chapters uh, one and two of Judges, and that is the Lord left certain nations uh, in the land to test. Israel. Uh, one of them he left was the Philistines. And look at that in chapter 3, the verse part of it. Now, these are the nations which the Lord left uh, that he might test Israel by them. That's right. All right. And, you know, one of those is uh, the five lords of the Philistines. And we're going to see some more of those in the, the book of Judges. Uh, uh, and, you know, the Philistines are still around today. I mean, we just talked about them. I mean, you could say that uh, the, the, the people that live in Gaza today are inhabiting the ancestral the, homeland the of, yeah. and I would say ancestral, but I'm just going to talk about the, you know, I made that's wrong is the historical area where the Philistines once lived right. is I basically think, there. Yeah, I think most people would say the Philistines are long gone. Um, yeah. That's but, yeah, good. But they do take, uh, uh, you know, they like to use the, the term, they like to call themselves Palestinians, which comes from that. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, Palestine it's funny because Palestinians, I mean, I'm not trying to get off a side note, but Palestinians are comprised of Jews and Arabs. Uh, yeah. It's not just Arabs. That's true. Well, Palestinians are people who live in Palestine. And, and there are there are also and Christian Arabs. Palestinians, oh, it, well, yeah, which it, is interesting. Uh, thank you for correcting me. You're right. Three groups are yeah. actually can be considered Palestinian. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I don't want to wade into that either. <laughs> but, uh, but my whole point is God left uh, these nations to test. I think this is a really important point. To test Israel by them. So you look at that and you say, well, wow. Think of the, this says so much about the nature of God, the character of God. Now, God is love and he's also judge. Mm -hmm. He's holy. What does that mean? He's perfect. Uh, He's morally pure, but he's also separate. Uh, It means he's uh, transcendent yet imminent. So many things, but God left these. Uh, pagan worshipers there to see what they would do. So the, the, the conquest, we talked about this, the conquest was done but not complete, right. and God left, in a sense, the giants in the land to see what they would do. Will you obey? Will you uh, read my word and love me and obey me and fear me and, and, and put it into operation? What will you do? And I think that's a question for us. I mean, we can, uh, we've drawn some parallels, but uh, certainly, if uh, if you look at, you know, I mean, you don't have to have a degree in rocket science to see that in America we're experiencing a downward spiral. We're seeing yeah. that same downward spiral, and I would say in some areas uh, it's a death spiral. But it's like, okay, but can we correct it? And I would say yes. Yeah, everything can be corrected. I mean, uh, um, and I think what comes out the other side. I mean, once you have someone like a, a Shamgar or somebody show up. Um, I think what what you have on the other side is different. Um, yeah, I, I I do think it's corrected, but I do think the correction. I think you have there is obviously a different Israel uh, immediately following one of these uh, uh, incidents 
uh, yeah. of, of the judge coming in and uh, killing the evil king and uh, you know killing you know slaying ten thousand of the of their 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 warriors. You have a different Israel. You have a post nine eleven sort of America, if you will. But uh, it is different. I think everything can be corrected. I think we're going to see that as as well. Yeah, and uh, something that's highlighted. I want to draw a quick parallel with this too. That I think we can also show as we go on is. Uh, this, these were the days when there was no king and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Well, there is coming a time in the history of Israel where there was a king. First right. it was Saul. Uh, the people asked for a king and they got ahead of God. And he was not a man after God's own heart. But then God removed Saul and right. gave them David, a man he chose. Uh, and, and in the sense that, uh, you know, he, he wasn't, you know, big and strong and looked, looked like Saul. He was just a youth. Uh, and, and, you know, David had to work for it, but to, to actually finally be crowned king of the unified Israel. But uh, the point is, there was a king, and eventually Israel got behind that king. And there was a period of 40 years that was awesome. Uh, and, and so the point is, there has to be a king on the throne. Uh, and people have to uh, acknowledge that king. Now, the king on the throne, of course, is Christ. Yeah, I mean, it should be... Um I think a proper Israel probably would have looked. I mean, we had Moses, went from Moses to Joshua. Um, I believe, um, you know, God was supposed to be king. Uh, they were probably supposed to have some sort of uh, Sanhedrin or something in place. Um, yeah. Now there was there was there was a government. There obviously was a bureaucracy, but I think it was more, you know, dealing with local, regional matters, uh, you know, property rights and you know, minor disputes. Yeah. Um, there was governance, but um, I do not think Israel, um, there was no king in the land, and, and to include God. Yeah. And I think that's really. That's right. They uh, did not. They really, lived as though God did not exist. That's right. So I think. Yep. Uh, God was dead to them. And, you know, and of course, that's why, you know, I, I think he finally, you know, let them have Saul. But I, I think the, the what Israel was supposed to do was have God as their king. And, yeah. And then set up some sort of mechanism whereby. Um, they could find you know the, the correct answers. Uh, yeah, they could have done that through you know probably a Sanhedrin type type system. Yeah, the uh, and that's impo- I think it's important to note too is uh, I think you know it, the scripture shows in Deuteronomy seventeen that God intended to eventually have a king, but they got ahead of him. And then when the the people asked for a king in the time of Samuel, he said, "God is your king." Right. And the whole point is when as Christ reigns, he he reigns as God. That's the whole idea. Christ is uh, the God-man. He reigns as king. Right. That's what you see. Uh, but, yeah, you're, you're right. God is king. And, and uh, I guess my, my whole point is uh, we're in a place in our history in America where we live like there's no God. I mean, there's people, they say, oh, you know, I look at this statistically, if you do this, the percentage of America that's Christian, and it always stays around 70%. And you say, Really? Now that's people. You're like, well, no, if you in, you know, if you investigate that, people are saying, yeah, I'm Christian. What does that mean to you? I think well, was, I was born in a Christian home. You think that might mean more culturally? Yeah, that, but it unravels when they say, well, my grandfather was a was a Christian. It's like, well, do you do you believe in God? Do you obey Him? There's not going to be those answers. Right. It's like, well, I, I just have this a lineage. Yeah, so I don't think that's really seventy two percent. I don't sound like a downer. Yeah. But I think my point is uh, we're living in a, a time of the judges. Yeah, I think so, and, too. And uh, uh, what that means is let's not bury our heads in the sand and wait for the return of Christ, but we can do something. I think the Lord always says in Scripture there can be a turnaround, there can be restoration, but there has to be repentance. Wasn't it, uh, was it Ehud, the Benjamite? Uh, I mean, what did he do after, after killing the king from Moab? I mean, he went up into the mountains of Ephraim. Yeah, and uh, blew the blow the shofar. Yeah, blow Come the on. shofar. And let's go. Let's go. And we see that once again, uh, the people get behind the leader, and 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 that's where it works. Is uh, uh, but there's so much here. Uh, maybe uh, there's so many different ways we could end this, but I wanted to end it this way. I think we're getting close to the hour. But uh, you know, I started off uh, this year reflecting on Robert Frost's poem, uh, "The Road Less Traveled." And I love that poem, uh, but uh, you know, if you when you look at it, you're standing at a fork, you know. Uh, and I'm just trying to bring it up here. Uh, 
you're standing at a fork, and then you have, uh, you know, two ways, two roads that diverge in a yellow wood. Uh, and when, when you look at the, the poem, there we go, finally. Sorry about that. Just trying to bring it up here. Uh, when, it, when you basically, uh, you pon- it gives you a, a cause to ponder and say, okay, do I go the way of the world, okay, because that's what I see in the poem, or do I go the way that's less traveled? Right. Uh, now, there's different ways to look at the poem, but uh, the road less traveled for us right now is definitely going against the grain, going against the current. Right. Um, I would agree. Uh, and, you know, as he stands at the fork, he ponders which way to go. And metaphorically, he just kind of, uh, the, the poem ends with him uh, saying, I took the, the road less traveled, it made all the difference. And that's the idea. I mean, we have, uh, we have, we stand at a time where this is a fork in the road for you. Maybe this is the beginning of the year where, you know, you're looking at these two, two roads that uh, diverge in the yellow wood and, uh, you can ponder. Well, take the one against the current. You know the current. Yeah. The the currents uh, of the cultural stream these days are ungodly. Yeah, they're going the wrong direction. Don't follow the leading of the world because you're going to end off yeah, don't get somewhere on, crazy. Yeah, I think it'd be. I think it's foolish to get on that bandwagon. I think. Um, I think these are the days of moral courage. Um, and even though you might see everybody in the pro-Palestinian you know, protest, you know, the big parade. Uh, I'm not getting in that thing. Uh, <laughs> you know, march your, you know, march your butt off, but uh, it's not happening. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's a yeah. really good, uh, a good poem to think about is, is uh, this, it might be time to consider that, that load, the road less traveled, the straight so, and narrow path. Yeah. So let me, uh, let me just, let me just read this too. It's not very long. Two, yeah. two roads diverged in yellow wood and sorry, I could not travel both. And be one traveler, long I stood, and looked down one as far as I could, to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other, as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear. Though as for the passing, as for that, the passing there had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay, and leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverge in a yellow wood, in a wood, sorry. And I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. And uh, I, I wonder if we could just think about that. We'll make all the difference in your life if you're out there. If uh, you're pondering, hey, if you... You're going to have uh, choices coming up this year at your at your place of work. You're going to have choices in your fam- circle of friends and family, and you're going to have to make that choice. You know, are you going to live for the Lord, or are you going to follow the ways of the world? And so, I hope that you take the the road less traveled. Uh, you go against the grain. You go against the current, and and you can be really essentially like one of these uh, judges, uh, and then people can get behind you. And that can start a tidal wave of uh, cultural change. It really can happen just like that. Yeah, be a judge in your family, be a judge in your neighborhood, be yeah. a judge in your community. Right on. Awesome. I think uh, uh, kind of ran out of time, but uh, I think uh, we'll look forward. Whenever we get back to the series, uh, you know, from that from this time on, maybe just read ahead a little bit. Uh, we'll, we'll, I think next time we'll be looking at uh, Judges 4 and 5. It'll there be awesome when we get back. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Pinelander Podcast. If you enjoy our unique content, please consider supporting our sponsors. Soft News provides special operations news from around the world. It's where Paul and I go to keep abreast of what's going on within the soft community. Check them out at soft.news. American Partisan is the vanguard movement of Western civilization. Be sure to check them out at AmericanPartisan.org. And, of course, Blacksmith Publishing. We've been serving the warrior class since 2013. They have a great titles written for warriors, by warriors. If you're looking for uh, excellent reference material or just want to enjoy a great novel, be sure to check out the bookstore. 
Or if you enjoy hanging out with warriors, come spend some time with us in the G-Base over at the Pinelander Podcast. All that's at blacksmithpublishing.com. Until our next meeting, stay mentally and tactically smart, physically and spiritually strong, and socially astute. To each other, we pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. May God continue to bless Pineland. Thank <laughs> you.